everyone and welcome back to getting fishy with it i'm josh i'm christine and i'm amber and we have a great show for you today <laughs> i think we're going to talk about what's what's going on in everyone's life what's uh we're, do, do, we're going to talk about how everyone's doing uh i don't know who wants to start but you can go ahead amber if you like yeah i'm doing pretty good yeah recently just got i guess a promotion or like a new oh, job yeah Sweet. i'm really excited about it <laughs> but yeah so i won't be a tech anymore aquatics tech um but i'll be working closely with aya cook um mm. so reviewing sops and then doing those semi-annual um inspections you want to explain what aya cook is just for in case people don't know yeah so oh my gosh <laughs> You're putting it on the spot. this is your oh job interview right here <laughs> <laughs> what is iacook um so it's like the basically the regulatory body for the institution and i think every institution has to have iacook if there's any mm -hmm. research that involves animals and so basically they just like oversee all labs that utilize animals for their research um just making sure that the animals are cared for and that they're also you know like we're not putting makeup on animals if like there's not really any you know backing behind it or um, any use for them and so basically Iaco comes in and just like you know we have to have like stand when I say SOP so standard operating procedures and so making sure that we have you know a plan for like what these animals are going to be used for and like why and so that's basically Iaco for um, those of you that aren't familiar with them that's great I think that any Iaco would really benefit from your expertise working with aquatic species mm, too, because I think that's always a challenge for a lot of Aya cooks, especially when, you know, a lab is coming in or a group of folks are coming in that are going to work with something less traditional that isn't just rats or mice or pigs or sheep or something. So I, I'm sure you will be a great asset to that group. So congrats. Thank you. <laughs> as far as me, I was chatting with you guys about this a little bit earlier, but our campus is doing these campus wide or research quad wide power shutdowns on Monday mornings <laughs> at 6 a.m. in my building. And that's not even backup power. So basically at like five or six in the morning, you've got all these like tired managers coming in in the morning on Mondays and Mondays are my day off. So I am not thrilled about this. Just mm -hmm. coming in to make sure that you know, my facility hasn't turned into a giant waterworks and there's not water spewing everywhere or that, you know, a pump hasn't imploded or exploded or something. So not great. I love getting there two hours before my fish light turns on. And so I basically have to just force myself to do admin for a couple hours. So that's okay. It's a good excuse to do emails. But uh, other than that, not much going on. So how about you, Josh? Uh, yes. So I guess it's more of a personal thing, but uh, my little brother moved out, what, like a weekend or two ago. And so um, we've been sort of waiting to open up a lot of our wedding gifts uh, mm -hmm. until he moved out because he has a tendency to break things. I love him to death, but he does drop <laughs> things on the ground on a consistent basis. So um, we've now been opening everything and it's so exciting. It feels like like wedding season all over again like we just opened up the dyson <laughs> and we have like so we got like a brand new coffee machine and it's all like 
it, everything is just like shiny and new and like that's we're starting great. to organize. <laughs> so that's a, uh, I mean, we're very happy about that. And we Are also, you turning uh, that spare room into like an office or something? Oh yeah. Yeah. She just nice. like fully moved into that office. Nice. Like it, it did not take long. Like she's awesome. like decorated it and has like a bunch of cool things in there and there's like mm-hmm. way spacious and like the nice. closet is like empty so we could put everything in there. Nice. So, um, yeah, so life is, a uh, life is pretty good. It's a lot, uh, we're getting more organized, uh, every day, which is, which is great. And then, and then we'll probably, we'll probably move in February anyway out of this apartment, but still it's like, uh, it's exciting to have the space. So yes, nice. I think probably the one thing, the main thing I regret about getting just randomly married in Vegas was, you know, we didn't have gifts. We didn't really get much in the way of gifts because everyone's like, well, you're not having an event. So, mm. so it's the one thing I'm like, I didn't get a bunch of free stuff, but that's okay. I didn't yeah, have yeah. It makes me feel very material, which is like, <laughs> like oh, God, but hey, dude. if you don't have to pay for a vacuum, that's great. That's like yeah. the best kind of being a, an adult, right? Like, Especially when you get like a Dyson or something yeah. like that. It makes you feel fancy. A really like... nice air fryer <laughs> oh my or something gosh. like yeah. that. <laughs> yeah. Oh, the air fryer. So we sent that with Sam because he uses the air fryer. Like he uses it almost every day for things that I'm like, I don't know why you're doing using an air fryer. Like he's making like mac and cheese in the air fryer and stuff. Oh, yeah. That's and so just like anything that I'm just like, I don't know why you needed that. It's just a uh, mini convection oven, right? So like I use it for some stuff. And I like it, but like, I don't use it for everything. I thought I was very skeptical about it at first, but yeah. Yes. <laughs> but I will say, so once he left and took it with him, I had like multiple different things that I really could have used it for. Cause it's so good oh. at reheating fries and pizza. Mm-hmm. Oh, fries. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So like, like you, there's no other way to resuscitate fries except for with an air fryer. I think even yeah. a convection oven, which I think, is that the same as a toaster oven? Is that the same thing? No. Oh, it's not. Okay. So then maybe a convection oven would do the same thing. But there's something about like the heat with like the mm-hmm. airflow yeah, that there's does an like, a good job thing. of crisping yeah. it. So uh yeah, this is this podcast is brought to you by uh, to- <laughs> by air fryers. By <laughs> what is it like instant pot? Art. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I gotta say there are these like chicken nuggies you can get at Costco that you can do in the air fryer and they come out uh fantastic. Yeah. So I cannot no. recommend those enough. It's great. Right. So we will probably, needless to say, we will be buying another. Air I'll fryer. give you some guidance if you want. I did a lot of research before I bought mine because you yeah. know, as you can see from my mic setup, I did a lot of research. So if you need guidance okay. on a good one to get, I can help you out. Just let me Ooh, know. I will definitely hit you up for that because, <laughs> okay. like you, you, you led me well with the Roku. The Roku has been great. Sure. So nice. um, that's your one for one right now. So this is good. <laughs> That's a good, great track. Line. <laughs> so, so that's it. We can, that's, cool. that's, that's fine for updates. All right. <laughs> Sounds good. We have one, we're down one air fryer. So noted. Yes. Um, down one air fryer. So yeah, in this episode, we were basically going to talk about just kind of relatively casually, just about what our jobs look like working with fish or in the case of Amber, not currently, but that's okay. We still love Amber. Yep, we still um, love you anyway. You're still <laughs> we welcome here. <laughs> we do not judge. Um, and, you know, just kind of how we got to where we are and kind of like our path to working in aquatics in the various uh, ways that we work with aquatics. Because I think our roles are all a little bit different mm. um, and we've kind of approached it maybe slightly differently between all of us. So I don't know. If, uh, Josh, you want to mention what your role is currently, like what you do? Yeah, sure. Um, so I'm the senior old, my title, my title is long and stupid because I feel it because I actually wrote, I made the title myself. 
like I wrote it and then I was like, this is too long to say, but I'm going to tell you anyway. <laughs> Be so loud and proud about it. Josh. I'm the <laughs> senior manager of uh, aquatic and reptilian life at Columbia University. Uh, and yeah, <laughs> I basically manage uh, a bunch of different facilities. I don't know. It's like, it's probably like eight to 10 facilities now, although I have to, I, I always have to go back and look because we're always opening new ones. Uh, but it services something like, uh, I don't know, between 50 and 70 uh, researchers who are all, you know, doing different things with different species. There's a bunch of different species as well. Um, How many? Yeah, that's another thing I have to look. I think it's, I think it's, I think it's seven or eight, something okay. like wow. that. Wait, let me think about this. Hang on. Zebrafish, killifish, betafish, uh, elephant nose fish, cuttlefish, that's five. Xenopus frogs and salamanders, that's seven. I think that's it. So seven. What kind of seven salamanders? Species uh they're called spanish ribbed newts mm-hmm. or sp- uh, oh, i'm yeah. familiar with them are you they Ooh, stab okay. you when they're upset with their they little do ribbies. have spikes on their little yeah. ribs it's yeah. true it yeah. is very cool. true nice um yeah so that's what i those are the things that i oversee and my job is this is essentially like facility management so i don't do any research um i wish i had time to do like little husbandry research projects but i just do not um, but I do mostly just like making sure all the facilities are running smoothly and doing all the training of the employees there to make sure that they're doing, and they, all those orders kind of come from me for what they do in the rooms. And then, um, anything that's troubleshooting related to the animals, cause sometimes researchers have issues, um, uh, which I'll get into a little bit in the challenges part, um, about what's challenging about that, like animal health stuff and whatnot. So, yeah. Sure. Cool. Uh, how many folks are you managing like on the average day like how many staff do you have do you know uh okay this is a good question the problem is is that some staff there are only part-time in the aquatics and and some are not um so there's probably like a if there's probably like a dozen something along those lines that i do kind of situation like Mm full-time equivalent yeah it's probably not fully that many but like yeah some of them are kind of half but that's a that's a Mm -hmm. decent estimate for what i'm dealing with nice Uh, Amber, I know you spoke uh, already about the fact that you had a promotion, but do you want to share anything else about, you know, what your role is currently or what it will be? Yeah. Um, so I guess I can just talk about what I do currently. And so for about a year, I've been at aquatics tech in a lab at Northwestern, um, and just helping to manage their one zebrafish facility. Um, it's very interesting because this facility, unlike other facilities, is not centralized. Um, and so I'm sure, Josh, like um, when you were talking about being a facility manager, you kind of are part of like this centralized like department. Um, whereas like uh, for myself, uh, the lab is a satellite or I guess the facility is a satellite facility. So it's not collect connected to any centralized department. And so I am the one that basically takes care of like uh, feeding the fish and then also doing health checks and stuff. And then when it comes to like maintaining the system, I also uh, take care of that as well. I am in charge, I guess, of our undergraduate students. And so we do have some students that come in to either do research and or um, also provide care on the weekends when I am not there. Um, And so that's basically the gist of like what I do. Um, I actually currently also don't do any research, which is pretty nice. I just get to focus on the fish um, and make sure that they're happy and well. But in the next week or so, I'll be, you know, transitioning more into a, um, I guess, not providing direct care to the animals, but hopefully having a bigger impact on how animals are used uh, for these like research projects and how they're also, you know, being cared for. 
Nice. I think like one of the bigger challenges that our IACUC deals with is the satellite facilities. They just find them so tedious. And like mm -hmm. every time somebody wants to set up a satellite facility, there's always a ton of pushback from the IACUCs for whatever reason. I mean, same here. I th think the more you the fragment things get fragmented, I get it that it can be challenging to try to like, I don't want to say police, but to police, you know, whatever, monitor. They, yeah. they, they get very sensitive when you use certain words, right? So you don't want to yeah, say police. Yeah, they don't like the word police, but <laughs> we like do sometimes inspection. use that analog analogy a lot. Because <laughs> sure. it is like, I mean, it's not a great, I guess the best term, but it is kind sure. of like, they are enforcing, right? They're the only sure. group that really does enforcement. So mm -hmm. it does, there are some <laughs> parallels there. Yeah, yeah. totally. I mean, and they I mean, are like a, oops, sorry, go ahead. I was going to say, I was just going to say they're essential part of working in research, whether people like it or not, you know? Mm -hmm. They're essential to make sure that, you know, people are doing work ethically and within regulatory guidelines. So, yeah, I, I'm sure, you know, you could speak to this and I'm sure that's probably, this is like sort of a party line from the IACUC, but I think it's a correct one that like, you're oftentimes advocating for the welfare of the animal and like, you know, the veterinarians and a lot of the other staff who work with animals can do that as well, but you can, it can be sort of like, you never really know what you're going to get. It's a little bit of a wild card from some of the, from some researchers, right? Especially people who maybe don't have a background with animals. And so they kind of, there are, there are certainly cases in lab animal where they can see animals as just an end to a means, then that's it. And so I think our job and your job is to make sure that the welfare of the animal is, is at the forefront. And that's like why uh, one of the reasons why we do what we do, I think, which is an important takeaway, especially for people who don't quite understand lab animal. I think that's a good thing to know. 100%. Yeah. yeah. So I guess I'll talk about myself. I... Uh, currently am the manager of a zebrafish facility in Colorado. Um, it's fairly big. We support between 50 and 75 users. There's like 12 to 15 labs at any given time in our facility. It's pretty big. Currently, it's just one species that we're managing. We have, we keep hearing from various labs that maybe they want to work with some other species or another, and they want to try to put them in our fish room. And it's like, nope. That's not happening. We're going to go somewhere else. But yeah, my day to day, like I am basically just providing research support to the users. I don't really have time to do research either. We've done a little bit of husbandry work as far as looking at diets, looking at different formulations of diets when we've had the time. Um, but, you know, our facility has 70 some odd racks, about 40, 35 to 40,000 fish at any given time. Um, and we only have myself and two other full-time staff. So we have mm -hmm. time to feed the fish and we do, you know, a little bit of providing support to folks. Um, a lot of what my day-to-day -day is, is uh, aside from feeding the fish and, ch and managing the nursery, because I grow all the babies up for folks, I am just consulting with folks on their experiments or what works or what doesn't work based on my experience, helping folks with like troubleshooting breeding of older fish or transgenic fish or mutant fish, whatever, just trying to make sure that folks can succeed in their day to day. That's kind of just my job is just to just be there. I rarely leave the fish room when I'm there for the day because people are always looking to ask me questions with, I'm happy to answer. I just also want to eat lunch sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I may or may not occasionally eat in adjacent to the fish room. <laughs> so <laughs> I have to take my protein shake out of the fridge when someone shows up that maybe would not be. 
<laughs> there you go. Only sometimes. Only, <laughs> only some. Very uh-huh. rarely. It very rarely happens. But some mm-hmm. days are just so busy you don't have time to leave the fish room. So I think we wanted to talk a little bit about how we get into the field. And I wonder, Amber, did you want to start about kind of how you got into just even just research in general, but your experience with aquatic species, etc.? Yeah. And so I first got into um, the animal care field back when I first started college. So I'm originally from Omaha, Nebraska. And Mm. so I started college at the um, local state school. So University of Nebraska, Omaha. Um, And they have a pretty small, like, I would say, like fish facility. But then they also had a couple other animals, too. Like I worked with like birds there, uh, zebra finches. And then they also had um, they probably had rats there. Um, although I never saw them, but basically just, you know, oh, they also did have a marmoset colony too, and still do oh. to this day. Um, so I also got some experience working with them, uh, doing behavioral studies. But anyways, um, when I first started out, I was pre-med, I was like, oh, I'm going to go on to like med school, become a doctor, <laughs> yada, yada. Um, but then I somehow got into the, um, laboratory animal science field, Um, Just getting experience, like um, doing research and then also assisting this PI with taking care of his um, zebrafish facility. And so that was a lot of scrubbing tanks, um, scrubbing the algae off of the tanks and then Mm -hmm. like um, Mm, doing the 10 percent water exchanges (laughs) because these were static tanks. Oh, nice. Yeah. Oh, gee. And so that was like my first experience with that. And after, you know, doing that for a while, just working with all kinds of different animals, I was like, you know what, like, I don't want to go to med school. So Mm. maybe I'll like continue to do research or whatever. But I also was kind of because of that, I think not really, you know, being at a local um, college and not really having which didn't really have like a big like research like research wasn't like their main focus, I guess. Um, There was just not like a whole lot of resources um, for me to kind of really like get into the field. Um, And I was also, you know, working like three jobs at the time. So it was just really difficult for me to concentrate on um, school. And so a couple of years later, I decided, hey, like I really need a break. And luckily my, um, you know, my now husband, who was my boyfriend at the time. So he was going to school in Chicago. And so I was just like, oh, I'll just move there and kind of like, you know, start fresh and kind of think about like what I want to do. So my first job in laboratory animal science was at Charles River. Oh, <laughs> yeah, I'm also as an Charles animal River care baby. technician. Yay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> They're everywhere. I, I yeah. swear they've employed every person in America. <laughs> yeah, I'm very sure. <laughs> <laughs> at one point or another. <laughs> yeah. And I didn't even know who they were. I just saw like, oh, mm-hmm. animal care technician, you get to work with animals. And I was like, okay, I applied, I got the position and I moved to Chicago, uh, which was already like it was like a field trip to me because coming from someplace like Omaha to where it's like a small city, um, you know, there's stuff that you can do there. But coming to Chicago, I was like, oh, my gosh, like there was just so much that you could do. And like, mm. you know, any place that you wanted to go to was just like right there. And so I did Charles River for maybe a year and a half, um, got experience working mainly with rodents. And then I got a job at Northwestern in their fish facility and kind of jumped around like in different roles. So, you know, I wanted to get more research experience. So I worked a little bit as a research technician, came back to working in a zebra fish facility, and then now going to um, an I a role in the eye cook department. Nice. You're stepping up through the, through the roles. That's great. 
Yeah. Yeah. I feel like I bounced around a lot, but I feel like, you know, like a lot of people kind of go through the same thing because Mm -hmm. again, not a lot of people know about this field. Sure. Um, They don't know that exists or like, you know, when they think of working with animals, they think of like zoos and aquariums. Sure. Mm -hmm. They're already very hard, like hard enough on it on their own to like Mm -hmm. get into. Mm. Um, But not many people know about like, oh, there's like, you know, different paths that you can take. Sure. Yeah. And yeah, I think it is pretty normal in this field to like move roles many times. It's pretty common. I would say I did it a lot when I was new in the field for sure. So especially for me, and I'll talk about this later, it's just contract after contract where I'm hopping from contract or like not sure, you know, week over week if my contract's going to get renewed. So I don't know, maybe it's a little different back in Canada, but I don't know about here. So Um, Were there any like kind of ups and downs that you wanted to share or things that like maybe you might have done differently just in kind of your roles or just getting into the field in general? Yeah, I wish I would have gotten into the field sooner. Mm -hmm. Um, But again, like just based on like where I was at, like geographically and then also at the institution, like some institutions have a lot of resources. Right. And so where I'm currently at at Northwestern, they have a pretty well developed like I cook department. And then they also have like a lot of researchers bring in a lot of money. And so everybody's working on different things with different model organisms. And so that's really cool. And that's something you cannot find, you know, at some institutions that are like relatively small. Um, And so I guess that's my only, you know, main thing I had wished I had done differently. But otherwise, like I don't regret like how I got to where I am now, just because I learned so much about, you know, what I like doing and like what I don't like doing, like which animals I like working with and which animals I don't really like working with. Sure. Yeah, that's great. Do you have a dream species that you want to work with? Just period. doesn't have to be in research, just in general. So I would love to work with ocelotls. Oh, yes. I have never actually seen like maybe I have seen ocelotl in person, but just like how you say it. Yes, that's the correct pronunciation. It is. (laughs) It is. Yes. Oh, and I goodness. kudos to you, Amber, for saying as the first time I've ever heard someone say it really? properly. Yes. Wow. Other oh, than man. in like YouTube videos where someone's explaining how to pronounce it. So, uh, yeah, that's awesome. So you've never worked with them before or even seen one? I don't think so. Mm-hmm. I'm wow. I, yeah, I'm trying to think of last time I and even at like an aquarium or something like that. And I don't think I have like I've seen a zebra fish before. I've seen like maybe I skipped over it. But <laughs> I heard they're kind of like really derpy animals. Like they don't oh, yeah. really have like, you know, they're not the smartest like creatures on the planet, but um, <laughs> you know, they're used Neither a lot for fish. yeah. <laughs> it's so dumb. So dumb, it's brilliant. No! It's just dumb! They're used a lot, though, for regeneration <laughs> studies, which is really cool. Mm. But I've always wanted to actually have like an ocelotl for a pet. So oh, yeah. I feel like that would be kind of like the dream species to work with. I used with. to breed them. I bred them like for <gasps> really? a couple of years. Yeah, yeah. <gasps> Back when they were, weren't very common in Canada yet, outside of like research. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I used to breed them. I, if you ever want to get some and you need husbandry advice, <laughs> I can uh, share all my details. I got to the point where, you know, it's my advice for having one is like, you need to have a chiller or somewhere where you can mm. keep the room because they do oh. not like warm water oh. and harden my Celsius. But once they get over like 24 degrees <laughs> Celsius, they start to dissolve. <laughs> they do not. You cursed rat! Look what you've done! I'm melting! Melting! 
they do Yo. not. And so I would have, you know, people come over at the time. I didn't have, I don't think I had roommates at the time, but I would have, you know, axolotls, ash, axolotls, my apologies. I've never heard <laughs> yeah. anyone say. Excuse you. Um, yeah, I know. <laughs> And being ignorant. So uh, I would keep the, I'd have them in my fridge to heal them because that would be like, if they'd get you yeah, know, a fungus or something, them. fridge them. And so people fridge them. Come I over, heard they're it. like, is there a salamander in your fridge? Like, yes, there is. <laughs> I don't want to know what I have in my freezer. So, <laughs> but yeah, no, that's awesome. I think they're very cool. Literally they need to be kept cool. And they are like super derpy. Like they, you just stare at them and you're like, are you alive or not? Because, you know, they're not breathing other than passively, right? Yeah. So, like, they're just kind of sitting there still. And it's just yeah. like, with their beady black dead. eyes. They're just yeah, like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> nothing going That's on good. in the background. Like, it's like the <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> empty head. Yeah. It's like the heartbeat line, but it's like the, like, when they're dead. Like, <laughs> like, I just yeah. imagine that in the back. <laughs> 100%. And then they like wave their little, like, gills and you're just like oh okay good good you're still alive good (laughs) yeah my husband and i already have names picked out nice is is one of them ash ketchum who's that pokemon (laughs) (laughs) oh my gosh that's a good one no i was thinking like one of them would be named mashadal ali oh my goodness (laughs) that's great (laughs) but yeah wow well done Ash Ketchum. That's yeah, that's a good that's one. Great. <laughs> that's great. Um, <laughs> shall we move on to you, Josh? Do you want to share how you uh, yeah, got it? Yeah, sure. Um, man, I don't, uh, man, I don't even know. I might start a little bit earlier than you. Come with me, listener, on a <laughs> yeah, journey. Yeah, I gotta do the same, I On think. a journey to my younger self, an eight-year-old boy. <laughs> <laughs> um yeah, so I was a pretty big fishner growing up. Um, I think uh, I think my mother started like fostering that stuff because she was like, oh, I, I don't know how she figured out that we liked science, but she got us like bug collecting kits. And uh, before I knew it, we were uh, I was I had my first little fish tank with goldfish um, and I had a little goldfish named Petey. And he uh, he was like, I was just enamored by this little thing. I just was like blown away. I don't know why. I just thought it was so cool. And my uncles, um, both my uncles, they own they owned at the time and they still do own a pet store. It's a different one now, but they had a pet store. And that was my favorite place to go hang out. So I would go there. I would like work all day as like a little like underage employee. And then maybe they'd give nice. me like $20. But uh, <laughs> yeah, it was a blast. And I learned everything. Like I learned all the scientific names, my, many of which I've forgotten now, like so many scientific names of, of, of uh, fish that I've just forgotten because I don't like work with them that much anymore. But it just really, I was just so interested in that stuff. And they would take me to all sorts of events like fish shows. If you've ever been to like a fish show where like there are like live auctions where mm-hmm. you bid on fish which yeah. was like so fun like you'd like look through like there'd be like a line and you'd look through all the things and you'd write down like oh i like this killifish number 99 whatever and then when it comes <laughs> up you'd like go ahead and bid but i was like a kid right so i'd have like 20 dollars. so like all these old men would just be outbidding me left and right and i like never got anything but i was always excited to try to take part if i could 
but they would bring me to wholesalers, um, which was kind of cool because you could see like where all these like giant distributors were for fish like all over the country, which is really neat. They had all the connections. Um, and then I would do things like buy fish off Aquabid, which is like an eBay for fish. <laughs> um, but yeah, I was just like crazy about it. And I subscribed to this magazine called Tropical Fish Hobbyist. Which I'm pretty sure is still around TFH. And I would read all the articles in there and I would get all excited. And I was like, really into discus. It's like a, a type of fish that looks just like the discus that you throw like in track and field. Um, and they're beautiful fish. They're beautiful fish from South America. And I used to read this guy named Jack Watley and I would like read all his articles and he would talk about all these things you had to feed him and how often you need to do water changes. And I just thought that was all so cool. So like all that stuff made me be like, all right, I definitely want to do something in the fish world. Um, but at the same time, I also was like, oh, well, I don't know exactly what I do with my life. So I guess I'm just going to be a doctor because like that's a default easy thing to do. And so I went into undergrad and very quickly realized that like organic chemistry wasn't for me. And like it was just really difficult. So uh, I ended up switching my major just to general biology Um which I guess for pre-med, you didn't, you didn't need to switch, but I was gen bio and I basically did that all through, through college. And I fish kept there too. Like I had like pet piranhas. I was kind of known as like the fish piranhas? guys. Nice. Yeah, I had piranhas. <clears throat> they were like really incredibly difficult to keep. Um, they're not they as like cool to as everyone each other. thinks. Yeah, yeah. And they're <laughs> oh, so nervous. No. They're so and they're nervous. extremely nervous. So like we'd get, this is kind of brutal, but like we would get like, uh, like a lot of like my college friends, we'd be like, all right, we're going to like give them a goldfish or something. Are we going to give them some no. goldfish? Like, <laughs> I'm in danger. Throw a goldfish in there. And then we'd all like pile in the room, but the, but the pranos would be too terrified to eat it because they would be like, they would see all of us in the room. Right. And so like, oh, they no. would just be, they'd be freaking out, like going in the back of the tank and like hitting, you could hear the audible sound of them hitting the glass, like trying to get away from us. Mm -hmm. So it was like not so successful, <laughs> but uh, luckily don't worry. They ate like lots of like, sh like dried shrimp and other things they could eat, uh, which is pretty good. But yeah, I was kind of known as that guy, at least in college. So, huh. but you know, you mentioned zoos and aquariums and like when I graduated like that was the first thing uh i wanted to do actually there's a there's a crazy story i'll tell you guys a story some other time maybe if we have like a fun stories episode i'll tell you about this oh, it's like an yes. insane story where i almost got hired by this guy who was like basically like a convicted felon and like mm. maybe a pedophile so and, like, like most reptile folks <laughs> oh <laughs> <laughs> dude this was like unreal it used to be a story that i was extremely embarrassed about when i was younger but now i think it's hilarious because i was very naive but anyways i it was a near miss i did not get hired by that guy thank god I, no one's wearing my skin in florida thank thank the lord um <laughs> but uh i i you know when i was applying to things zoos and aquariums it's like i was like oh i'll just work at like an aquarium like i have all this knowledge mm -hmm. and whatever but like i never even got like any callbacks nothing like there was no response because like those jobs are like impossible to get like there's yeah. very few of them volunteer jobs a lot of them so it's like you know i was just looking for anything and it just wasn't happening but but i did uh happen upon i was lucky enough to find and i think it was through world aquaculture society but i'm not 100 positive one of those job boards um i found a job working at the nih for charles river and that was uh, how I got hired. And I was just feeding fish. It was like those those uh, facilities, at least the facility that I was in was kind of older. So I was just like spraying down tanks a lot, 
spraying out racks, doing whatever. Um, and it wasn't a lot of complex stuff. It was basically just like, this is where I uh, got my love of podcast from. Cause once I discovered nice. podcasts, it was like, I just pop a podcast in like a comedy podcast. And I just like, just have a great time. Yeah. I had this gigantic smile on my face all the time. And people were like, why is this guy so happy? But I was just <laughs> like, dude, hilarious stuff is happening in my ears. And I can just, I, you know, at a certain point, you don't have to think, right? Like you're, you sure. know, what you're doing, you're feeding, you're spraying down uh, those old Z mods is what they were called. They were like old bookcases that were mm-hmm. basically efficient. Yeah, but I did that for six months, and then um, you know, I will, I, I can attest to the fact that like if you are friendly with people and you don't burn your bridges, well, it's more than not burn your bridges because that's like bare minimum, right? But uh, just like keeping your ears open, I feel like establishing good relationships opened up mm-hmm. every job that I ever had. Right. Because I was like, you know, I was friendly with some of the um, temp workers there who worked for Charles River. And then like one of them was like, oh, yeah, you there's a there's an opening at this other institute called uh, Janelia. It's like a big Howard Hughes funded um, research campus. And they were like, oh, you should apply there. They're look, looking to open up an aquatics program. They just have a little bit there. And I know you like that. So I was like, okay, sure. So I applied internal, inter- internally and um, I got hired on there. So I was there for, I was there at Janelia, which is in Virginia for five years. And like, we got to like grow that aquatics program like crazy. Like it started with just like a one or two standalone racks of zebrafish with just a few tanks on them and it grew to like a crazy amount like it was just like i think there was probably like five or six employees all working in the fish facilities and there was a couple it was a it was kind of a diverse facility as well like there were other species so there was like dragonflies and at one point they had squid and like these things called platinarius worms which is like a saltwater worm uh those things are crazy by the way um <laughs> There, yeah, there's just so many neat little things I got to learn when I was there. But I was there for five years, which was pretty good. And then uh, Columbia, one of my friends who was working here at Columbia reached out to me and he was like, hey, I'm leaving here, but they're ending their contract. This is also a Charles River contract, but they were ending it and they were hiring direct. And I was like, well, all right, I guess I have to apply. It's paying a lot more money and and it's closer to my family in Connecticut. So I might as well check it out. And I applied and got it. So I moved up here eight, eight and a half, uh, eight years ago. Um, and I've been here ever since working at Columbia and it was every job that I took, whether it was at Janelia or whether it was here, at least the last two, it started out as half rodent. It was like half rodent, half aquatics because they didn't have a lot of aquatics, but as time went on with some help from me, and then just also the, the program just supporting it, uh, the aquatics programs just grew and grew and grew. So it was really, um, I ended up kind of like coming into my own as like having a nice aquatics program, which is what I get to manage now. So I'm very, very thankful for that. So yeah. (laughs) That's awesome. Do you have any like ups and downs you'd like to share that other than the stuff you've already kind of elaborated on? Uh, Yes. So, you know, so I guess pluses and minuses. So pluses are like, it's so cool. There's so many like random things to learn because there's so many species that you never really get bored. And a lot of those researchers who work with diverse species are on the front lines of research because they're doing things like designing promoters just for the species that they work with, right? So just figuring out ways to uh, edit the DNA of these new animals. Like some of that stuff's never been done. The tools aren't there yet, right? So they have to figure out how to do that. Um, so that's kind of cool to be a part of that process because it is, it is like 
it's a grind. Like it's, it's difficult. And, you know, if you want to edit the genome in a mouse, well, you probably don't, you don't even need to, right. Because a lot of vendors already have these mice. They're like, yep. Do you mm-hmm. want a mouse with ob- obesity? If you want a mouse with diabetes, if you want a mouse with this, like we have all these different genetic strains to get you there, but uh, at least in aquatics, people are making them. Um, and so, yeah, so that's kind of cool. Well, I guess that's like one of the ups, I would say the biggest down for me. And actually I was like, I was thinking, Christina, I might have to talk to you offline about like the amphibian stuff, uh, is animal health. Uh, sometimes you run into issues where you're like, okay, great. Uh, there is no guidebook for how to deal with animal health issues in a species that is not well used in lab animal, right? You just don't, yep. there's just nothing there. And 100%. so you have to figure it out. Like I'm always Google searching things. I'm like, oh, how do I fix bloat and betta fish? Like, all right, cool. There's like people who are like all over the, they're like, they're all over the board in terms of what to do to fix some of these things. And you could talk to breeders and some of them are like, yes, well, if you hang eight crystals by the window at 12 p.m. <laughs> on a like, Wednesday. Uh, all right, let's do it. Cause like, I don't know, whatever. Like, yeah. <laughs> so those are, that is absolutely the most challenging part. It's the thing that gives me the most headaches, I would say. Um, yeah. So if I could get, just get that get that figured out Um, and that does just come with time like over time we do fix some of the problems but sometimes it's just always as we get new species it it crops up and it's and it's very challenging so i would say that that's interesting i find that challenging too but like i friggin love that stuff like Mm. you know the times when i've been able to develop like anesthesia protocols or like sometimes you know you do have to reach into that like pet trade bag and be like sorry Somebody said this worked and I've tried it and it worked on my fish at home and then you do it and it's like, well, okay, good. <laughs> and you know, the vets are just kind of like, all right, whatever. Yeah. That's um, what happens. Right. Cause yeah. they're not trained on that. They're just sure. like, okay, cool. And they're trying their best. Sometimes they're usually trying their best. Sometimes they're not, but that's a story for another day. But like, um, yeah, I, I guess it's interesting. And maybe it's just because I have a veterinary background that like that part of it, even though, you know, the challenges that the animals are maybe not doing as well as they could be. I love having to figure out those little puzzles. I love it. Oh man, so much. let's switch jobs. <laughs> <laughs> I miss you, just you like have the cuttlefish there, fish. right? We you do have, have cuttlefish here. All right. Yeah. Sold. Sold. Let's go. Ah, you love the cuttlefish. <laughs> oh, that's yeah. so cute. They're very cute. They're amazing. I really, I really like those guys. Uh, I wish I had more time down there. Yeah. I wish they had more time in life. <laughs> they only live like nine months, these guys. Yeah, their lives are so no. short. <laughs> yeah. That's totally. just what it is. Like it's yeah, live yeah. fast, die. Actually, killifish. So we have killifish here. It's an aging mm-hmm. model. It's this, it's the second shortest lived vertebrate. So they only yeah. live like four or six months, like their entire four to six life. Months? Yeah, yeah, it's yeah, like no- yeah. Nothobranchus species or something, right? Yes. Yeah, 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 they yeah. Nothobranchus, yeah. They're really cool. They're very colorful. They're from Africa. Yep. But the but they're sort of the whole reason why they're like that is because they they live in these like ephemeral pools, right? Like a like a there's like a like the joke is like an elephant walks by, punches a big print in the mm-hmm. ground, and then like the rainy season comes, and then like any eggs that are in there, like they hydrate and immediately because their eggs go into diapause, mm-hmm. right? So they like sort of completely pause and then they hatch out. And then these fish are like, all right, cool. Like I got like, I don't know, I got a two months before the rainy season's over and it dries up. So I got to get to adulthood, find a mate oh, and like make new babies. Yeah, I see. Right. So that's the whole idea. Um, so it's a really cool uh, um, adaptation mm-hmm. that they have evolutionarily. 
So speaking of TFH and those various magazines, do you remember as a kid seeing ads for killifish eggs? In uh, those? Y- uh, yes, yes, yes. Because you could buy, they would say, they you could get in the mail like dried killie eggs, and you'd like rehydrate them, and then you had fish. Yeah, it was, like, because just they're add super water. easy to ship, right? Because yeah. they, you could just ship them in like a little bit of moss. It's like yeah. slightly hydrated. Yeah, and yep. Then that's it. They come in like a little envelope, and I raised <laughs> mine, and they're like. Yeah, they didn't do as well because, okay, so when I was a kid, when I did that, like I would order them, right? And then I, like, I was looking up, like, how do you keep these things alive? Because they're so small. And like the internet's like microworms, you got to do microworms. And I'm like, what the hell is that? And it's like, basically make oatmeal and then just like put it on the windowsill and like let it get rancid and like put this culture of microwaves in it and like my mom just like put up with all this stuff I guess because she was like I guess someday he'll just be a scientist like so we're just gonna (laughs) let this disgusting rancid oatmeal just sit on the (laughs) yeah uh, I had vinegar yeah, eels. Gross. That was my vinegar thing eels, as a kid. Okay. Yeah, I had vinegar eels. <laughs> like my room smelled like vinegar. <laughs> Dude, it's so. What do we do to our parents? <laughs> thanks, parents. Uh, yeah, thanks. <laughs> um, did, would there, are there any things that you would have done differently, Josh? Uh, no, actually, no? it's crazy. I was thinking about this, and I don't think so. I feel extremely lucky to have gone on the path that I did, and like every new experience that I got, I was like, wow, I'm just really lucky I was there at the right time. I talked to the right person, and it worked out really nicely. And even when I was here at Columbia, like it has great benefits. So I was able to do my uh, master's in biotech. So I got short up by like molecular biology a little bit more and stuff, which is good. Just understanding a little bit more about the genome and how we, how we, um, sort of mess with it and how we can edit it because that's just such a huge burgeoning technology and it's part of it's going to be part of modern medicine forever so um yeah i think i was very i'm very very lucky i feel very fortunate to be where i am so that's why i'm always in a good mood nice (laughs) do you have a dream species you want to work with wait let me say one thing oh sure there is part of me once in a while that is like i don't know like i sort of so i'll take that back Okay. There's one time, there's Retracted. a few times I'll retract this, scrub it from the record. I do feel <laughs> like there are times when I'm like, hmm, would I have wanted to go to vet school and then specialize into aquatics afterwards? Right. Because you do have a certain level of power, prestige, and like, like ability to move up in oh, yeah. institutes, like 100%. where you're sort of limited a little bit by your degree. Um, so that is one thing that I sort of have regrets about, but at the same time, like I, I might have done it and had regrets the other way. So like, yeah, I don't know for sure, but it is something where I'm like, Oh, I always kind of wish, right. That's, yeah. so yeah. I would say that, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I get that feeling too. I, that might yeah. also be my regret. So, <laughs> <laughs> well, one, it's never too late. And then two, oh, just like, un, you know, being in this field and understanding that there's so many different, like areas within laboratory animal science and so just having like the vets or like iacook and then also like in my case ccm and so the people who you know do facility management and also take care of like the animals and such and there's probably other areas as well like i'm you know probably not too familiar with but Mm -hmm. it's just things like that like everybody kind of has their like role and it's also okay to just go from like one role to the other right And Mm -hmm. so like, again, if you do eventually like go back to vet school, like you could just go into like 
you know, the veterinary area of things. Or if you want to do like more Iacook stuff, like you do that. But it's just really interesting how like some people, like some people like yourself, I feel like it's a very like straight path where it's just like, no, I'm going to like, you know, work with like the animals, you know, like I set out to um, with aquatic animals. But then there's other people that kind of bounce, you know, Mm. like back and Mm -hmm. forth or just like, you know, constantly like switch depending on like, you know, what their interests are. Yeah, I know someone who like, he like worked aquatics with me and then he then he moved out and did like he was doing surgery for a while he was doing like uh, like rodent surgery so he was doing that and then he was like doing something else and then eventually he circled back around and became like the aquatic supervisor so it was like this circuitous path to go back to aquatics in a way but it probably taught him a lot of stuff and maybe it taught him Mm -hmm. what he did and didn't like so yeah i i mean i think I do appreciate you saying what you said about vet school. I think that ship has sailed just because I have made a couple decisions regarding that. Like, mm. I don't know, at, like, not that I'm old, but 34, like, I just don't like to go through. <laughs> oh, I'm crying. Now. To, go through, <laughs> to go through like vet school and then residency. That's like, it's basically like a seven year commitment straight up. And then, and then you're starting at square one with your first job. And I, yeah, I yeah like exactly. Right so it's like, you never really know, but I do, I, yeah who knows who knows what the world will bring (laughs) yeah um okay let me get back really quickly to just so you asked me what dream species i would work with right uh okay it's hard to pick one right like it's really hard to pick i feel like one that i was sad i missed out on after i left um janelia there were two actually that i was sad they had clownfish which i thought were Mm. really fun um and I also wished I had worked with the uh, they had pygmy squid there. Oh, so interesting! T- but I did get I did get the cuttlefish later on, which is pretty cool. But I, there's something about pygmy squid that I found very cute. Yeah, so, yeah. But were they breeding clownfish there? Uh, I I don't think they were breeding them. Okay. I don't remember because it takes a little bit. It takes a little bit more energy to breed them. But sure, I think they were just they're cheap enough to buy, mm-hmm. and they were you know they were looking at this dynamic of uh, hermaphroditism, if that's mm-hmm. the right word. Um, yeah. You know, because just I guess for the layperson, I believe when you have a bunch of clownfish together, typically it's all males, and then the dominant one becomes female. So girl power. And yeah. <laughs> the dominant one becomes female. And then if that one dies, then I think the next dominant one becomes female. Like, I think that's how it goes. I could be wrong about that. Yeah. So correct me if I'm wrong. <laughs> Have we seen the Finding Nemo? Someone said <laughs> yeah. that too. They said technically Nemo should have become female or something like that. And... Yeah, or whatever it was. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, because yeah, <laughs> <Sorry>. like, <laughs> no, it's, I, I think the term like, it's not facultative. It's like protandrous hermaphrodites or something clownfish are. Okay. But yeah, it's basically that's what that's what they do. But yeah. I mean, marine fish in general, their mm-hmm. reproductive strategies are wild. They're so cool. Incredible. Uh not quite the same in, in uh, a lot of freshwater fish. So there's, I think, um one of the like blue planets or something, one of those like planet earths, there's one about um it's like some sort of, I don't remember. It's it's some sort of fish that it shows it shows this whole process, how they sort of switch over. And it's really interesting. So yeah, people have 100%. probably seen it. It's like 
it's like a best it's like these six like things that only aquatics people know knew yeah. that like now the lay person's like this is crazy <laughs> although if one more person comes up to me and tells me that the megalodon is real i'm just i'm done with them <laughs> people will continue to tell me like oh the megalodon's out there i'm just like guys yeah, no. somewhere in a trench. Well, it doesn't help that there was a fake documentary about it. That's what that, I mean. And mermaids. There was oh a mermaid. Oh my gosh, too. the mermaid one. I am I didn't still see that one. I am still <laughs> muted on Discovery Channel's Facebook page because I complained about the Shark Week and like Megalodon stuff. So I can see their post, but I cannot comment. And I wasn't really rude. I was just like, you guys are supposed to do in science, and what is this? And no, Discovery I'm Channels still- become like trash. <laughs> hey, the Nat Nat Geo's like Shark Fest is way better than Shark Week anyway. But that I'm getting Oh. Okay. This podcast right. is brought to you by National Geographic. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> and banned by We get someone from Discovery on here explain themselves. All right. So Christine, let's get into how you got into the field. Right. I want to hear. So I I don't know if you guys can see, but in like the Discord, I just shared a picture for you guys. I don't know if it, I think it uploaded, but have a look at that. So much like Josh, I have a like background where as a little kid, I got into fish. And so I immediately like I had my grandfather had an aquarium when I was like, I don't know, six or seven. And I eventually just started keeping fish. We would go to the library and get like every single fish book ever. Mm, yes. And that was like the thing I would do. And then eventually my parents would like buy because my parents would buy me whatever book that I wanted. They didn't have any money, but they would buy every single book like Scholastic Book Fair, all the books, <laughs> the rock tumbler, all that kind of stuff. They're like, they here would, she comes. Yeah. She's got a basket. Yeah. It's oh, like, no. yeah it's like, I'm going to get everything at the book fair. Um, but I, very quickly got into like breeding fish because I found a book on like breeding swordtails and breeding like live bearing fish and angel oh, fish yeah. and all this different stuff. So that logo that I put on Discord was like the logo I made back in the day for my like price list when I would go to pet stores as like an 11 it. year old kid. Oh, you don't see it? Hang on. I don't think it came yet, but I'm excited to see it. <laughs> there we go. Oh, there it I is. think it's <laughs> Christine's I, little angels, you made oh, you true that. Yeah, so I, yeah, I think it's like a comp composite of like stuff that I drew, and then also like some sort of like um clip art from back in the day. This oh, was wow. like the nineties, right? So anyway, Incredible. I bred angelfish. I bred like sword. I think sword tails were like my first thing I ever bred, and mm-hmm. like I made all these different like color variations or whatever. And I would just go to the pet stores. My mom would drive me to like the pets we lived in a rural area but we would go like the big thing was to go to town to go to like big al's fish store which is a chain a chain back home in canada so we'd go there and you'd be like oh here's all these sword tails as credit so i can get one ram german blue ram or something like that (laughs) just to bring it home and have it die within two weeks that was like that was the toughest like (laughs) oh having to bring one of those home and have it just like just like drop dead it was wild but yeah i had those german blue rams or electric blue rams or whatever Mm -hmm. but yeah so i was breeding fish like in elementary school into high school drove my parents crazy having like aquariums in every single room in the house vinegar (laughs) eels yeah um and i i had yeah aquariums in every single room of the house like even the bathroom had a like grow out tank for sword tails in it 
Oh wow. Did you ever do um did you ever do the mosquito larva like the bucket outside? Because yep. I found oh, yeah. and that- Daphnia, Daphnia from like a lake. I found that you could put like, you could put like, let's say like a couple pairs of guppies outside in like a big container and just leave them out in like the, like the outside yep. and mosquitoes come and lay all their eggs and then mosquito larvae hatch in there. And then the fish immediately eat them all. So they're really well fed and they mm-hmm. do super well and they usually spawn oh. it. They usually breed yeah. in there. So like yeah. you just, you at the end of the summer before anything froze, of course, yep. you could just net them all out and you yep. have like, you know, 50 new fish or whatever. These were the <laughs> days before West Nile. So, right. <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> Standing water is kind of poo-pooed now. You yeah. Can't really... So yeah, that was me like as a little kid. And then I went away to university and like sold everything. Like I didn't keep oh. any tanks or anything oh. because I, I moved away. I moved as far away as I could afford to <laughs> from my aunt. I, I moved to Ottawa, which is the capital of Canada. Uh, so I'm originally from Canada. Uh, if people had guessed from my accent, I don't know. <laughs> you said I went to university. That tipped us oh, off. Oh, yeah, that's true, yeah. right? Yeah, university and college are two college. very different things in Canada. <laughs> they're very different. They're completely uni, different. Uni, okay, there we yeah, go. Yeah, uni. That's British a little bit. I don't know. Uh, but I went to university for computer science because people were like, oh, you're good with computers. And like girls don't go into computers. So why don't you do that? And I yeah. did. I hated it. I, I'm very bad at math. And like, I didn't, I didn't find out until you know, second year of university that I have a math learning disability. Like I actually went and got a learning assessment done. Cause they're like, Whoa. how are you failing everything you did so well in high school? Never mind the fact that like, maybe I wasn't going to class so much. I don't know. I was like <laughs> free and living on my own with roommates in it's like a different. dorm. Mm-hmm. It was, it was very like hard to adjust. Cause I am an only child. So it was just like, I can do whatever I want whenever I want. And I mean, I don't drink or anything. I was just like, Let's go to the mall. I don't know. <laughs> so, but I, I did struggle and like, I never, you know, I'm first generation going to university in my family. And maybe it's the same for, for you guys too. I don't know, but like, I didn't know what to expect from mm. university. Like I had no idea. I didn't know that like I could ask for help because I had never struggled in high school. Like high school was like a joke for me mm-hmm. and going to university and actually struggling was just like, Mm, nope, <laughs> I I can't cope with this. Yeah. So I ended up like flunking out basically of computer science and I applied into just like general, this general sciences to do like a first year kind of general sciences. I don't know if that's a thing here, but in Canada, you can do just like a first year that you take kind of a little bit of everything and then you mm-hmm. figure it out. So I did that and I ended up doing just biology with uh, a minor in uh, a geography and under, um, uh, a minor in GIS. I don't know if you guys know what GIS is, geographical information systems. Yeah. So it's like digital cartography and like remote sensing and all that kind of stuff. So that was like a little bit of like scratching the computer itch because there's a lot of like coding and that kind of stuff Mm. in that. Mm -hmm. Um, But that's a whole like life that I didn't kind of go down the path of, even though it's Mm -hmm. like still growing really immensely. And I have, I have a really good friend who's actually in that field still to this day and does some really cool stuff with like space imagery and such. And it's, it's really badass, but, mm-hmm. um, but I ended up doing biology and my first experience with like lab animals period was I was in my undergrad. And at this point I had transitioned from, I kept some fish. I got back, I got into the fish club in Ottawa, which was great, 
really great community of folks that just the nice thing about aquarium clubs anyway, at least in my experience is unlike the reptile clubs where everyone's just fighting with everyone, the fish clubs, everybody's just kind of trying to help everyone and like share their experiences. I don't know if you ever experienced that, Josh, but generally people were pretty good about like, oh, you know, I'm keeping these Lake Victoria cichlids and like, here's Mm. my husbandry data, you know? So that was really great. But then I started keeping reptiles. I started with like crested geckos and then snakes. And I got kind of excommunicated from the fish club because we, a a little group of us kind of like broke off and become reptile people. And it was like, you're out. (laughs) I was like, okay, bye. So I got keeping enemies everywhere. Discovery channel. (laughs) I'm a terrible person. I'm a bad person. It's fine. Oh no. (laughs) But, um, so I just happened to be talking to a lab partner in like animal form and function, which was like my favorite undergrad class. And, uh, Shout out John Hodgman, John Hodgman, not John Hodgman, John Houseman, John Hodgman's comedian. <laughs> Houseman was but my also prof. Shout out John Hodgman if you're yeah, listening. He's great. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so my like one of the TAs in the lab heard me talking about like keeping reptiles and she came over to me and was like, can you please help me with my bearded dragons? And I'm like, mm. yeah, I sure can. And that's when I met my like eventual future boss and um, learned about like how they were keeping, they were keeping like anoles, brown anoles, and they were keeping bearded dragons and they hadn't designed the experiments very well. And they didn't realize mm. just how quickly bearded dragons grow like wow. really fast. And so they had designed the arena for baby bearded dragons for this study. <laughs> oh. <laughs> so my job was to pull the legs off crickets so that the crickets couldn't escape because that was going to be a big problem. So I had to pull the legs off all the crickets that I fed everything. Wow. Yeah. (laughs) And I had to weigh out or count out how many crickets because they could not have these bearded dragons grow. It was bad. They had to just like grow them as slowly as possible so they could get Um, this study done. Okay. (laughs) Which was, yeah, not great. And then, you know, I ended up, eventually just kind of moving on from that. I think eventually one day my card access stopped working. And then like, I never heard from the TA person again. Like it was very weird. Oh, she, I think we both at the time had like a lot of like personal stuff going on and we just kind of like drifted apart. I wonder what Mm. happened to her. Anyway, I hope she's doing well. All the best, Alana. (laughs) If you're out there. Yeah. Yeah. hundred percent. Yeah. (laughs) Um, and yeah, and around that time I was finishing my undergrad and I was like just totally burnt out on school. Like I didn't mm-hmm. have a good experience in undergrad. And I just was like, I had taken all these credits because I was interested in like geography and geology and biology. And I just like kind of went to the undergrad office and was like, here's all my credits. Like, can I cash this out? I just want to go. Like, please <laughs> no. just let me leave. So I didn't do an honors project or anything. I got a four-year like BSc in biology with a minor in geography. Mm-hmm. And I just was out. And like that fall, I had applied around that time to go to vet tech school. So in mm. in my home province, vet tech school is in a college. It's like a two-year program that gives you mm-hmm. a certificate or a diploma, not a degree. So I went to vet tech school and uh, in my first, it's a two-year program. In my first summer in vet tech school, I did a internship at McGill University in Montreal mm. where- they basically like, it was a really cool program. Like I, I 
thought it was fan. I hope they still do it. They take like a dozen or maybe a couple dozen people from vet tech programs all over Ontario and Quebec. And they put you up in their dorms and they feed you at least like a couple meals. And you just basically go and like get paid pretty well to do summer jobs in the Vivaria. Cool. And it was great. It was a little bit of a weird place to work just because of like weird nepotism stuff. That's story for another time. But like, I just remember being there and having not really known about like large scale lab animal stuff. Like I had seen this little tiny reptile room and stuff, but this was like a massive facility that for some reason was on like the 15th or 16th floor of a, a giant high rise. It was very, very weird. They had pigs up there and everything. So weird. Oh, that must be a pain if there's like a fire or something like that. I don't know. It was wild. Or they're just like, goodbye. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I, I honestly don't know. And like we had like and I also learned a lot about like the animal rights kind of groups at the time, too, mm. because we had there was like a very active animal rights anti-vivisection scene in Montreal. And uh -oh. so we'd have to like cross protest lines. We'd have people like dox us. They figured out where we were staying for the summer. Oh no. Yeah. And they would like see us downtown and like point us out and just oh yell God. at us. Yeah. Cause they would have like the big sandwich boards and they'd have like, you know, misleading imagery about animal research just yeah. like out for the tourists to see in the summer and say like, yeah. look at McGill up the hill here. This is what they're doing, which is not true. But yeah, I just remember at some point, even though I was doing like, I was basically spending 95% of my day doing like rodent cage changing. And again, podcasts, I had podcasts at the time back before I had a smartphone, but I had like a little MP3 player. <laughs> you know, and I download whatever audio. I think it was audiobooks more so than podcasts. Wait, back what then. year would this have been? 2007 or 2008. Okay, got you. Our, our iPhone was like new at the time. And like one mm -hmm. of the people in our cohort had an iPhone and it was like, whoa. <laughs> 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 but I had like a like a MP3 player. So I don't know if it was podcasts, but it was definitely like audiobooks and stuff. Yeah. But I remember like at that time being like, I could do this for the rest of my life. Like I could do this job where I'm just doing animal husbandry all the time and like reporting to the vet techs. If I see something wrong with an animal, I, mm. I have the power to like intervene if something needs to be euthanized or whatever. I could do this. Like I really enjoyed doing that. And so that was kind of my like entry into lab animal stuff. Mm. And so when I finished vet tech, the vet tech program, and we did have some lab animal stuff in the actual course, which was nice. I did my placement because at the end of the vet tech program, you have to do like a month long placement. I did mm -hmm. it at a lab animal facility in Ottawa and they just hired me on the spot. And I have been mm. working since then, this is 2009. I've been working since then as a vet tech in lab animal. So I did a little bit of stuff with like, a lot of my work was with rodents, uh, much mm -hmm. to my chagrin. <laughs> not my favorite, yeah. uh, especially rats. People love rats. I do not like rats. No mm. offense, all the rat fans. They disgust me. I'd rather work with oh. mice. <laughs> Is it like the tail? Like, does the tail? It's a yeah. little bit. And it's just like, I, the one thing I could never get over and I still can't is like the poo and the pee. Mm. Like oh. if I'm working in a, in a biosafety cabin or I'm working in a space where I'm doing like cat cage changing mm -hmm. and a poo or a pee gets on my work surface, I'm like, ah! I gotta like <laughs> clean this all up. I cannot handle the yeah, poo. Yeah, and the smell lingers too with oh, rodents. Yeah. So yeah, yeah, yeah. 100%. But I am allergic <laughs> to rats now. So that's one of the reasons. Like I can't touch them. They can't touch me. I get welts um, because I worked with rats enough that I'm like hyper allergic now. Oh. So I think that's what 
fells a lot of folks that work with lab animals at yeah, least back like in the day exposure right like yeah, all yeah, that protein 100%. exposure eventually mm-hmm. you get yeah it's so crazy like people have worked for them for like 30 years and they're just like yeah i can't do it anymore yeah i like will die if i go in this room yeah so yeah but yeah so that was my kind of like start and then i ended up working for this like university of ottawa for years and like the challenge for me was, even though I loved doing the job that I had, I was working part-time at the same time in a vet clinic that saw some exotics, but also like mostly companion animals, dogs and cats. Mm. And I like doing that stuff too. But like one summer I got asked like, Hey, do you want to like help with the fish facility for the summer? But like, we can't really offer you more than that. So I'd be like literally giving up my job that I had that was secure. I was doing like pet CT imaging with rats and mice at the time. Um, So I wasn't doing husbandry. I was doing experiments, which was fine. It was just stressful. And I was like, I can't, I can't just go. Like I can't leave this job because I don't know what the future will hold after that. Mm -hmm. Like I can't afford to take this job. So the first year they asked me, I said no. And, and then the next year they asked me and I initially said no. And then the next day I got pulled into like the office by like the department Mm -hmm. folks. And they said like, listen, we think that you have too much free time on your hands. And at at the time, like the pet CT imaging I was doing was like computer, a lot of computer stuff. So I was moving files around, like I'm generating huge amounts of data. And I had developed a system where I could automate like how it got filed. Oh, cool. Of course you did. (laughs) <laughs> yeah. And but like all the data at the at one point, the person who had been working before me or one of the people had been dumping all this raw data into the root of the drives. That's and so all this data was not organized by lab, by user, by mm. experiment, nothing. It was not organized. So I spent months just trying to find like a way to organize all mm-hmm. these things so that people could find their data. And so then they were like, well, we think that you, maybe you have more free time now. So we want you to start doing clinical studies, which means people work. And I was oh. like, I'm not for the amount of money I'm getting paid. Like I'm not doing that. So the very next day, because this was literally within like a 48 hour period, I emailed back the folks from the the other part of Ottawa U and said, yeah, I'll take the fish facility job. And it was supposed to be like 13 weeks total. And I worked there until 2019. So (laughs) (laughs) like I just kept being contract and contract and contract. And then like, I just kind of made myself essential, I guess. I don't know. But we had a bunch Mm -hmm. of different species, kind of like Josh, you guys have a bunch of different species, but zebrafish kind of just became my bread and butter. Yeah. Um, And then in 2019, I needed to get out of that place. I had been needing to get out of that place for a few years. I got offered a job at the University of Colorado. And I came here right before the panini, the end of the, <laughs> the end pandemic. of 2019. Yeah, the <laughs> pandemic, right before COVID-19. It was real interesting to be a Canadian moving to America at the end of 2019. That's for sure. Oh, people, boy. People were like, why? why? And it's like, yeah, it's, especially it's an opportunity. When- yeah, when people are just like, we should move to Canada from <laughs> the States. Yeah, you know, it, it rose-colored glasses when you're not living in Canada, but I, yeah, mean, I don't know. Very it, much it, there's, so. there's challenges there, too. True. Um, but, yeah, and the, I don't know, ups and downs, I would say that I had a lot of challenges just with, like, doing what other people thought I should do, especially early in my life mm-hmm. when, you know, you're first going away to university and you're just kind of like, yeah, people say I should do this. And like, that was a huge mistake. Like I should not have done that. Mm. And I think if I could go back and change something, I would maybe have 
also done the whole try to go to vet school thing. Like I, I love being a vet tech. I love animal health stuff. Don't get me wrong. And I am not one of those vet techs that gets asked all the time. So when are you going to become a real veterinarian? You hear that a lot, but wow. um, I haven't, I, but thank God it's messed <laughs> up. Yeah. Well, vet techs get asked that a lot. Like it's like we're baby veterinarians, especially when you mm -hmm. work in clinical vet med and it's like, no, we do a different role, but thanks for coming out. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I think that that's a challenge. I think the other thing that I, and maybe this resonates with you guys, I don't know, but the challenge when you work with animals is that like, it's, it's not like a pencil pushing job, you know, it's not a desk job necessarily. And like the animals don't get to clock out, right? Like they are there no matter what, and they depend on us to provide them care and like provide them with good welfare. And I feel like there are a lot of places, whether you work in lab animal or zoo or whatever, where people get taken advantage of by managers that get told that you basically get implied like, well, if you're going to go home, who's going to look after these animals, you know? Yeah. Mm. And I spent entirely too much of my personal life doing work stuff to the point where I was like, burn the hell out. Yeah. You know, and I'd be answering mm. emails at all hours of the night. I would be staying sleeping at work sometimes because of like, you know, demands of the, the job, which I can play it off as being fun and like I am a relatively like funny person and like I joke a lot about stuff, but that also means I'm a broken person, right? So, <laughs> yeah. So I don't know. I think that was the challenge for me was that like I and I see folks that I work with now, not my staff. I don't let my staff do this, but like I see other folks that are new in lab animal, I saw it in vet tech too, where they're like super keen and new and they just want to like do the best they possibly can. And they don't, they, they yeah, they're just going to burn themselves out, you know? So I think that's probably one of the harder things. And I think one of my favorite things is, you know, doing anesthesia and stuff like being able to use my vet tech knowledge in ways that like people don't realize, like I train people on anesthesia and how to like tell the different planes of anesthesia in a zebrafish and when it's appropriate to do surgery and when it's not, you know? So mm. I love that kind of stuff. I think that's great. And I think I'm going to be a heretic and talk about what species I'd like to work with. <laughs> I, don't know what I you're gonna say. really okay. like, I love hoofstock. I love hoofstock. What? Like I love, oh. I love bovids. I love bovids so much. Not cattle necessarily. Cattle I can fine. never guess the things that you're into. Like there are certain things that you're like, oh, I'm not a fan. And things that you, like when we were at the zoo last time, yeah. you had yeah. really strong opinions about animals. I was like, I don't yeah, understand yeah, yeah. why she hates this animal. <laughs> I do not I like, <laughs> I do not like pinnipeds. I do not like pinnipeds. I do not like primates. Okay. So what she are pinnipeds? Like yeah, remind seals me. and sea lions. Oh, okay. Yeah. Gotcha. Do yeah. not like them. I will walk right past them. I will like get the Why? heck by. It's I kind don't, of boring. I, I don't guess. like them. I don't like them. They, I never like them. I think because they're dog-like and I don't like dogs very much. I don't know. No offense, oh, you dog owners. Bye, <laughs> listeners. See you later. <laughs> I am a cat lady through and through, so that's part of the problem. But like, and primates, I don't like primates because they freak me the heck out. Like, they scare me. And I don't like looking at them. Yeah. They had primates at McGill when I was there, and I only briefly saw them because, you, you know, all of the, like, health and safety stuff you have to do like there was a very specific group yeah. of people that could work with them because mm -hmm. of like all the risks to your health so um but yeah like i love like antelopes and i love you know okapi <laughs> and giraffes and like Aww. if i could work with those animals <laughs> the other animal that i would love to work with would be cheetahs i freaking love cheetahs oh cheetahs are great i That's love cheetahs one. and if i could ever like 
pet a cheetah because they're like, even though they're big cats, like they're often used as ambassador animals and like mm-hmm. can often be free handled and it's safe, unlike say a lion or a tiger. If I ever got to touch a cheetah, I think I would cry. Like I cried at the uh, the alligators at the zoo. Okay, somebody <laughs> please make this happen for Christine. <laughs> <laughs> so Josh, Josh went with me to I've the Audubon this. Zoo and I got very emotional at the alligators because I love alligators so much. I think yeah. I would also like to work with alligators. If I was talking about an aquatic species, allig- American alligators, oh boy. Alligators are, yeah, you were very excited. And there was a lot of, there was a lot of Well, it is a zoo in Louisiana. There's going to be a lot of gators. They probably just wander onto the property and just stay there. (laughs) It's amazing. They throw food over the edge every day. Yeah. Big stinks. I'm going to stay here. (laughs) 100%. This is better than eating kayakers. That's for sure. (laughs) More tasty. Exactly. Exactly. All the chicken legs you can ever want. Yeah. Have you had gator though? I have. I a mm. long time ago I did. Mm. I don't think yeah. I have. Is it good? It's like fishy chicken. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Even though I love them, I'll still eat them. I don't care. Are they invasive? <laughs> I feel the same way about fish, actually. Yeah. Like people are like, Are you okay with eating sushi? And I'm like, they'll apologize sometimes. I'm like, oh, oh, I was having sushi. Like, oh, I'm so sorry, Josh. Are you okay? And I'm like, no, yeah, I like fish and I also like eating fish and I like fish. I like all the fish That's things. That's so funny. No one ever <laughs> says that to me, but I'll be like, I'll pretend I'm offended. And they're like, oh my God, I'm so sorry. I'm like, I don't care. I wish I loved fish. Like I don't eat fish and I wish I did. I've tried it so many times. Like in a month I'm going to Alaska, I'm going to try salmon. Cause like I got got a salmon. Yeah. I got to try it, you know? So, Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, like, I don't know. Alligators aren't invasive, but they're, they're very plentiful. I want to say. Yeah. I don't think they're they're doing very well. No. Yeah, I don't think they're invasive. Yeah. I think they're just not even in the range they used to be in still. So I don't know. Yeah. I mean, they're literal dinosaurs. So yeah. I mean, yeah. <laughs> older than dinosaurs. Older than dinosaurs. <laughs> yeah. Is it too much of a departure to talk about invasive aquatic species because I was watching a video on these on the Asian carp that are just like taking over everything. And I knew about them, but man, this was like a vivid video of just like thousands of them just jumping as they go through and i just thought that was so have, interesting <laughs> have you ever seen one up close uh i've seen carp up close but not Asian specifically carp? i don't know i don't oh, think so they are ugly oh my yeah. god <laughs> i've yeah, seen pictures yeah. of them but not like in their person eyes are like not where they should be on their face like you should look up <laughs> Asian carps and see what I mean. Their eyes are not where they belong. And you just see them and you're like, what happened Wait, to I you? I do know what you're talking about. Oh, yeah, I think I do Their know eyes what you're are like about. lower on the head than they should be. And it's like, what is yes. happening? Like, what? Okay, you're Why? right. You're 100% Why right. Is that? So the, the, the Toronto Asian Zoo. Yeah, yeah, Google Asian carp. You'll see their weird faces. I'm not so, shaming the looks of the like carp. It looks like a whale. Like where the eyes should be. Like it looks but, like a whale. Yeah, and like speaking of zoos, Toronto Zoo. Has uh, Toronto oh Zoo is my God. home zoo. I love that zoo forever. A thousand. Um, they have a relatively new exhibit. Well, new for me. I haven't been there in years now. Um, but they have an exhibit about invasives and the Great Lakes, and they have Asian oh, carps in there. Yeah. And lampreys. Uh, um, I don't know if they have lamp. Probably not in the same exhibit. <laughs> I don't oh, know. Okay. Though. I did. Oh, we had. Yeah. <laughs> it's one big tank that used to be for a bunch of other stuff, and now they've repurposed it. Um, but it's oh, it's a I really see. cool kind of exhibit. But they probably I don't know if they have lampreys there. They're kind of a pain in the butt to keep. You're so. right, and they don't last very long. But yeah, Mm-mm. they probably have pictures of them. But that might be it, or a, one in a jar. Yeah. 
Um, but yeah, so that's basically me. Uh, <laughs> I don't Sorry, know. I'm if- still looking at pictures of carp, but I'm done. <laughs> that's amazing. It's weird. I've seen the picture before, but I never it didn't, like didn't fully it's just register. Like, what happened to You're its like, face? That's true. It's like it's upside down. And what I want to know <laughs> yeah. is like, is that an adaptation? Because it's gotta yeah, be right. Know. I guess like, so. I would have Google like why Asian carp face. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, what's the the advantage? Right, I don't what's know. What's the problem with Asian carp? That's like a oh, general be a whole another episode. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. We'll do a whole, we can do a whole episode. Know, on just that. we yeah, might yeah. do it. I don't know. We're still figuring it out. So well, we yeah, should. we're still looking for topics to talk about. So if folks are listening out there and they have something they think we'd, they'd like us to talk about that's aquatic species related, be happy to. Oh, absolutely. Cool. That's um, do you guys have any thoughts on other options for like careers in the field or stuff that you've heard about that seems cool or anything like that? Hmm. I mean, there's the whole zoo and aquarium route, right? Yeah. I mean, hmm, that's a good question. I don't know. I mean, I think that like, you know, I feel like in this field, there's a lot of like people doing managing vet tech husbandry, different things of those of that nature. Like it, 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 there's quite, there's a need for so many of those people, but in the field itself, I guess I don't know what you mean by field. Like, do we mean, I guess I just mean working with aquatic species. Cause I think there's people that would be listening that are less about like, I want to work in research and more about like, I just want to work with fish. Yeah. And that's where mm. like, um, I see a lot of positions with like fisheries. Yeah. And so mm. of course, like we just talked about eating fish. Right. Mm. And so, you know, understanding like, okay, how are you going to raise up like salmon, which yep. you have to know husbandry, you have to know, like, you know, the anatomy of like the fish, especially if you're looking at something like salmon, which mm-hmm. a lot of people eat salmon um, yep. or like salmon or tilapia, like yep. white fish, things like that. And so <laughs> I feel like I see, especially when I go on LinkedIn, I see like a lot of like articles or like companies posting about that like oh new farming practices you know that we have like for this particular fish or whatever Um, but then it could also be like you know just understanding especially if it's an invasive species just understanding like okay like how can we mitigate like you know the population of a certain species or how can we increase the population of a species if it's not like you know invasive Mm -hmm. so things like that yeah like you could totally go in like that direction if you're just interested in learning about you know particular species outside of like finishing high school, or even if you've done like an undergraduate degree or something and you're trying to figure out what to do, there are certificate and degree and diploma programs in things like aquaculture. Like you mentioned, people can go to school for that. You can also go to school for aquarium science. There's a a really great program out in Oregon. I want to say I have a grad from that in my program or like working for me and she's unbelievable. Like she's the best. So And, you know, she learned a lot in that program, I think. So there's definitely, and those, getting into those courses and doing those courses, like, is a great way to even find a job that way, right? So um, that's a good way to make connections. Um, But that's kind of my thought about, like, other options. If you want to work with fish, you start a pet store. (laughs) (laughs) That's what my uncles did. (laughs) Yeah, I don't know if I recommend that, but uh, that's tough. I don't know. It's tough. And I mean, just like, I don't know, the pet trade. No shade to your uncles, but like the pet trade has so many problems. <laughs> and yeah. like having worked in the commercial like side of it and like having been involved, and I didn't really talk about this, but like, you know, being involved with like the actual trade that is bringing the animals to the stores, 
mm-hmm. like that whole the import export. There's some really cool stuff that's happening with like wild caught fish, which we should maybe talk about or have someone come on and talk about. Oh yeah, like Project Piaba totally. and Shoal.org. Those guys do like cool stuff at the local level to try to like keep sustainable like micro fisheries basically for like pet mm. trade fish, right? With like fo- local stakeholders and stuff like that. So that's cool. But I think the days of like just netting everything out of the Amazon or <laughs> cyaniding it out of the Amazon or exploding it out of the coral reefs or whatever. It's tough. It's not but. like the good old days of shooting Buffalo out of the train, right? Or oh, whatever. Yeah. <laughs> we realize we can't do that anymore. From an airplane. Yeah. 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 It's Man, I enough. feel like back in the day, like people must have just been like, who cares? Like it just everything seemed unlimited, right? When there sure. was like way less people. Yeah. And it's interesting now. too where it was like, I'm gonna I want to draw this bird audubon and i'm just gonna kill it so i can pose it and then look at it draw it <laughs> oh man uh but that guy's canceled too by the way the audubon guy oh is he oh yeah i, um, I, I don't know what happened with it that's a whole thing <laughs> we'll get into oh, this on another episode yeah, guys yeah, yeah. expose on the audubon <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> But did you want to say something? Sorry. Uh, I did. And I changed my mind. It's I don't want to open up more giant cans of worms. Sure. <laughs> um, but yeah, I was just wondering about like, you know, we kind of talked about how we got into our respective areas of the field of research. Was there anything we wanted to share about like tips that we have for folks that maybe we're looking to get into research or looking to work with aquatic animals in research and like how to do it, how to find those resources to like apply for jobs? I think it's really important to make connections with people um, who kind of already are in that field. So, you know, whether it's like any either of us, basically, or just like other people and just kind of like trying to get into those communities. Right. So if you're looking more into like the zoo and aquarium side, like you obviously want to try and hook up with people that work like in aquariums and stuff, or if they work in like fisheries or if they work in like laboratory animal science. And yeah, I think it was either... Christine or Josh, maybe that brought up the fact that like they, you know, you've gotten to like where you are at because of those connections mm-hmm. and That's like, me, yeah. yeah. And that really goes like a long way. It doesn't even matter. Like, you know, when it comes to school, like I'm just finishing school and it's been like 10 years, like school basically had no effect on like me getting any of these positions, like in research and in animal care or whatnot. Mm-hmm. Um, it was really like the experience that I gained like over the years by being in this field and then also making connections with people and yeah, not burning bridges. I've burned a few of those. I've burned a lot of, <laughs> I've torched a lot of bridges. Uh, I, I would say like, I guess like to add to that or, or maybe just to add to the whole conversation, getting your foot in the door. Um, yeah. You can definitely reach out a lot of times, you know, there, there are, places to volunteer or do small internships or externships um just talking to someone to someone if you're just trying to get your foot in the door there's tons of husbandry positions that are open like all over the place there's always available ones so you can always do that because i know i know plenty of people who do that even people who are like oh i maybe want to be a veterinarian but i don't know anything about the field like let me just do animal husbandry technician for a little bit just learn how to take care of animals and then uh when they realize they like the field then they can can go a little more hard wholeheartedly into it because I do think, and this is like a broader lesson for like society, I guess. And I see this in the scientific field a lot. People will immediately go into grad school, into vet school, Mm. into med school before doing, really getting an experience about knowing whether or not they want to do it. And then they have regrets 
Too many mm-hmm. people have told me they have regrets in the middle of their education sure. and it sucks, you know, and you want, you want your heart to be in it because it's a lot, there's a lot of burning out that goes on and it's a lot, a lot of work and sacrifice before you get to that goal. So, um, you know, I think that getting your foot in the door and just get it learning a little bit, getting a little experience helps you broaden a little bit what you, it at least opens your, your scope a little bit and you can get a good idea of like what you're getting yourself into. Yeah. I think I 100% agree. Like when you're working with animals, when you're going to do a job that will involve largely working with animals in some capacity, if you don't familiarize yourself with what that day-to-day is going to look like, mm-hmm. you know, as a veterinarian, you're not necessarily going to be changing mouse cages all day, but you may be up to your elbows in like animal poop or something, right? Like mm-hmm. if you cannot get yourself to a point where you like like working with animals and that you're comfortable doing Things like euthanizing them sometimes, you know, mm-hmm. maybe more than sometimes, maybe quite frequently. You really should find something else. Like uh, just as an example, like my vet tech program, when I first started in 2007, there was like 60 ish people that went into the program. A lot of folks are like just brand new out of high school and like maybe hadn't really had a first kind of job yet or anything. Um, I had, you know, grown up in the country and like been around animals my whole life and just been an animal nerd just in general. And I was like totally comfortable. I grew up in the country. I was comfortable with euthanizing animals. Like we did it all the time. It was fine. And like, but so many people, by the time we finished our two-year program, there was only like 24 people because lots of Mm -hmm. people just could not, you know, it's Um, too much for them, right? As soon as you have an animal come in that's sick and it's the most, the best thing you can do is provide a humane death for that animal. People just left, you know, they could not handle that. And so- yeah, a hundred percent. I totally agree. Like, um, and f- like in my experience and when I'm, when people ask me about getting jobs in academia, for example, I can't speak so much for biotech because I just don't have the experience. It wasn't as prevalent in Canada as it is here, at least not in the cities I lived in. But I just tell folks like, you know, you don't necessarily have to move for a lab animal job, especially if you want to get your foot in the door, just look at your local colleges, a university's websites and look at their job postings and see what you can find. And even if it's not the species you want to work with immediately, it's a great way to get your foot in the door. You can get certifications with lab animal organizations and move your way up there. You know, I started with rodents and I did not like them, but I did it (laughs) (laughs) the whole time. Like I was the chief mouse bum looker, you know, you're changing the cage. You're looking at the genitals of the mouse to make sure it's doing okay. (laughs) That was basically my job for a long time. I didn't mind doing it, but like I knew there was other species I wanted to work with because I had had that kind of first taste of like a lab that had reptiles. And I was like, I got to get back there someday. (laughs) <laughs> and then eventually I ended up working there. So any other tips for finding jobs or what you guys see the future might be for for kind of our field? I think the future of our field is very bright. I don't know. I mean, I think that we're on this great upswing, right? I mean, we've 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 talked about how there's this dearth of knowledge and expertise to some extent, right? I mean, there's still a lot of people with expertise, but like veterinary schools have not caught up to that yet, right? Like different areas, they haven't caught up yet. Even like some of the molecular stuff, we're still developing it. So like in 20 years, that's going to be way more developed. And we're kind of in this forefront. We're not the mm-hmm. very for, uh, forefront front runners, right? That was still like probably 10, 20 years ago, but sure. like we're still kind of at those front lines. And so I think that the future seems pretty bright for us, right? Uh, as different aquatic models become staples in the laboratory world. Um, and just the knowledge, right? The knowledge base, right? Like like I said, we, maybe we'll get away from 
just kind of like weird voodoo specific types of <laughs> approaches to animal health or whatever, right? Like weird things that people are doing because they don't know and learning a little bit more about why certain treatments work well with aquatic animals or whatever. So it's going to keep sure. growing. Every institute soon, literally every institute will have an aquatics program. Like they continue to just pop up everywhere. So mm-hmm. yeah, it's great. Yeah. yeah. Lots of opportunities. Any other thoughts, Amber? Yeah. I was just like, um, you know, piggybacking off of that. I think like for zebrafish in particular, like we'll start to see, you know, a lot more in the future, probably um, just because although there are, are other model organisms um, like, you know, the rodent model or even like monkeys, I feel like, you know, we're trying to get away from using model organisms like that um, mm-hmm. just because, you know, it, there are a Spoken lot of benefits. like a true Aya cook person. Yeah. I'm joking. Yeah. <laughs> Actually, I was going I was going to say the same thing, but yeah, go ahead. Sorry. Yeah. But there are a lot of benefits to using zebrafish versus like, you know, a non-human primate. Um, just you can have like multiple, like you can have like a huge number of like zebrafish versus like non-human primates. And mm-hmm. then like you mentioned before, Christine, like there are a lot of like, you know, things that you have to be like specifically trained to work with non-human primates. Whereas like, you know, working with zebrafish it's honestly like not that difficult and then in terms for like the entire field like yeah i just also going back to when you were talking about like clinical trials christine like we are so far from just using like anything computer generated i know mm-hmm. josh you're like oh ai is gonna like take over the world someday and <laughs> chat gpt has joined the chat but i think we are you know, still very far away from just using, basically using computers to answer, you know, these questions about like, how do we go about curing this disease? Like, how does this disease work and things like that? Like, we really have to utilize these like model organisms for that just because, you know, we're not going to test on humans. Like, that's mm-hmm. the whole point of mm-hmm. like, I guess the field. Mm-hmm. Yeah, hundred percent. And yeah, I, to give the like, you know, million yard view I think the future our field eventually is the cessation of using animals in research, but we yeah. are nowhere near there yet, right? But mm-hmm. like our job in the meantime, when anybody joins this field, is to make sure that we're providing the best possible care and good welfare for these animals using, you know, up-to-date science and like up-to-date husbandry methods and everything, right? So I think there there is a lot of stuff we still need to learn about you know, no susception, like pain in these animals. Like mm-hmm. I have folks that I have worked with who will pull out a paper that says fish don't feel pain. See, this paper says that. <laughs> By and George it's like, Washington. I... <laughs> <laughs> oh no. Yeah. Oh, yeah. From the nineties. Much, much no, it's much more recent. There was a guy who oh, like, God. I'll tell you about him another time. Uh, who's like, put him on blast. Feel... No, I'm kidding. We'll no, do it another time. <laughs> I'm too scared. Anyway, this person does do good work overall like very good work but like the fish don't feel pain fighting with like all the women scientists is a little problematic because you know generally a lot of this welfare and like pain research that's coming out of like aquatic animal stuff Mm -hmm. comes from like predominantly female researchers right now and when people respond to their publications by not even addressing them by their like professional titles and just calling them by their first name and it's just like uh this is this is a problem like no one would ever do that to a dude that published the same things you know what i mean so that's a whole tangent but mm. um anyway so i i do think that like you know we will see 
things moving more and more to zebrafish embryos, more and more to, you know, doing, you know, high throughput stuff with the zebrafish that maybe we didn't think of using or weren't capable of using before. So yeah, lots of molecular stuff too. And maybe other aquatic species too. Um, maybe zebrafish will lose their time in the limelight eventually. Mm. Well, I'll be working with worms. <laughs> uh, I had to do that this past quarter. It was not fun. Oh no. Ever try picking up a worm? I mean, depends on the size of the worm. I don't know. And fishing? <laughs> Wait, like an earthworm? Or some like kind of worm? Sea elegance? Like a sea elegance. Sea elegance. Yeah, that seems difficult. Don't, we don't want to anger sea elegance Twitter, though. We have oh, to be careful. that's right. We can't talk about that. Yeah, they're they're perfectly good and fine. Yeah, there's nothing wrong with we that. We don't organism. need a part two to that story. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, C. Elegance people, for yeah, all we you love do. you. You're yeah, doing yeah. great. It's, yeah, it's great. You're superstars. It's amazing. Um, I think that's pretty much everything. Unless you guys have anything else you wanted to add, but we probably should wrap up. We've talked a lot about ourselves, and I think it's great. Um, and I thank you guys for sharing all of your insights and experience. My favorite subject, talking about me. Perfect. <laughs> just kidding. <laughs> no, it's good. And I think it's good to just share kind of like all of our origins. I think it's great. So, yeah. Yeah. Oh, definitely. I, I learned some things about you guys that I didn't know, which is exciting. <laughs> so, all right. Well, when we're going to wrap up episode two, we did it, you guys, of getting Yay. fishy with it. I've been Christine. I'm Amber. And I've been Josh. So keep schooling, my friends, because knowledge is power. 